Yo, 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 what's up, baby? Welcome to the episode of Selena's Underground Podcast. You look at Selena's news, events, gardeners. Mm-mm. I wonder if I'm ever, I always try to make that one unique every time. Yeah, like, the last one. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I'm like, putting myself in a corner and I'm going to be like, oh, I don't have one this week. <laughs> but anyway, I had one this week. We have a, a, a guest that's been on uh, several times. You're definitely one of the the highest ranking ones. We oh, we don't have you. people on very very much, but yeah, you've been on like two or three times at least. Yeah, I think this is my fourth time actually. I was trying to count it the other day. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. So you're yeah. People are like, we know this, but anyway, <laughs> if you're not familiar with that voice, that is Letty from Local Urban Gardeners. On my phone, it literally says Letty Lug. <laughs> Nice. And um, yeah, and we're here to talk about the uh, community garden in Natividad Creek and just gardens in general. Because like yeah. I was telling you before we hit record, I have my my own garden, and yeah, yeah, it sounds like it. it's it's doing well and doing uh, giving you wellness. Like and dude, ah, uh, that's right? that's the weird thing, and it sounds kind of corny or whatever, but like the therapeutic mm-hmm. aspect of it, dude. Come on, we all have bad days. We all have sad days or whatever. There, there's, I'll go. You go lay in the backyard, mm-hmm. and there's something about you. Just watch the plants move, and they're just doing their own thing. You're hearing the birds, and you don't even realize it. It takes like ten minutes. It's not that long, but you could just forget about the like you. Whatever st- stress is bugging you, just watching the little insects and every, just watching nature go about its business. I, I don't know. I know. I guess everybody has their their own feeling of it, but from having that garden, that that was one thing that blew my mind. That I, I catch myself doing that more than I ever have. You know, when it before it was just dying grass. Like I would never go back there and just lay on the floor. <laughs> and I do, and I don't. And it's so weird to say that, but it's just like, yeah, I don't know. It's it's an interesting feeling, and more people need to be used to that. I agree. I agree. And I think sometimes, too, for me personally, just going even when I don't want to work on the garden, like there's no pressure. The garden doesn't pressure you to do things, you know, Yeah. (laughs) you just go and show up and, you know, the bees and the birds come out and always welcoming. Like, yeah, dude. And yeah, that was the the cool. I like I'm going to try to think. Because when kids come to the garden, it's it's so cool because you'll see the the kids that are like, oh, is that a snail? Is that a slug? Like, oh, get it away from me. Or then the kids that have been there several times before that don't notice any of that anymore. Just keep going about their day. They can climb trees and stuff. And it's just like, that's so cool. Like when you started coming here, you would get scared two feet off the ground. And now you're jumping around that tree like... You've learned to interact with nature in a, in a unique way, and I'm sure it's affected your brain. Like, yeah. I mean, we don't need tree climbing skills in our day to day life, but again, it made some kind of neurological yeah. connection that that I'm sure is, is going to benefit you when you're I don't know trying to figure out a puzzle yeah. or some shit, or just like struggling in life and having that memory to look back on and to just like put yourself in that moment and then therapy again, right? Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, uh, gardens are. are yeah, no, well, and the bees especially, because, again, going back to the kids, there there are people that are deathly terrified of bees. And, again, when kids first show up in the, the gardens, especially in the spring and the summer, it's full of bees. I freaking love it. Mm-hmm. I love it. They get more strawberries and tomatoes and stuff the more 
peas you have. Yeah, it changes the flavors of tomatoes and yeah. Mm-hmm. So and it's so cool to to see kids not be afraid of bees, you know, because I'm sure. Again, you see a bee, you want to stomp on it, like, ah, pain. And then, they're like, no, friend. <laughs> and they don't care. They don't care about you. A bumblebee will run into you because they're terrible at flying. I don't know how those things exist. Right? Their wings <laughs> are too small. <laughs> they're freaking, oh, my God. What, going, oh, going back to the fox love, that's, God, that's one of my favorite things is seeing their little butt sticking out. <laughs> the freaking honeybee or oh, the yeah. bumblebee. Mm-hmm. Well, and also honeybees, when they go in there, they get stuck. Oh, really? I've had to save like three or four honeybees. Stuck in there. Because they, the, the way the foxglove is shaped, it kind of almost looks like, um, like shark teeth, you know, like it's got razors. Like, like when you go in, you can't come back out. The bumblebees are, are big. They just push against those little parts and just go get the nectar or whatever. <laughs> the honeybees get caught in there. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah, I, I'll have to keep an eye out. <laughs> yeah, it's, well, it's crazy because, yeah, what, I was working there in, in the flower garden, and I just heard bzzz, 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 but like... Again, like if it was a uh, like a electric razor or something, mm-hmm. and I'm like, what kind of bee is this? So you know, just like following the sound, and you know, then I see the foxglove, and there's this honeybee just flapping its little wings as hard as it can and can't come out. And I'm like, dude. But then I saw it several more times. And I'm like, you guys are. Yeah, well, trip out. Um, bees actually hum at different frequencies depending on the flower they're in really yeah true about so like borage which is a flower that is edible and we plant that's good and yeah i have a bunch of it i have, you, yeah, I have a pollinator garden and mm-hmm. yeah, i have that yeah so borage if you go is that around, how you pronounce it i think so oh how okay i say borage 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 that sounds right <laughs> yeah and well, I, well that's one of those things i've only seen it written you know i only I see it too. in my garden me books too. and me too. my friends don't say okay. hey how's your borage going you know like nobody's <laughs> ever asked me that right no i agree i agree it's um, delicious by the way and it looks all hairy you know so it's scary just eat that shit it's scary yeah and even when you pull on it it can sting you a little bit and so but the flower takes tastes like a watermelon or cucumber and the reason you don't see it edible flowers on the shelves because they don't travel well and you'll never like see them in the grocery stores um i suffer probably squash flower but borage. Yeah, around here. so borage specifically they have to hum at a certain frequency for the flower itself to yeah, release closer, to release a hormone or like a, a you know to release the pollen for it to have and so that's why they're super loud around bar- borage so different flowers require different they love it. Mm-hmm. And that's one of those plants that you just need to grow it once. And it might get, a, it does kind of get annoying because it's everywhere, but it's so beautiful. Yeah. The flowers are, are <laughs> they look like they're, they look like purple stars. And that's better than mellow, right? Like the. Oh, hell yeah. Oh, yeah. Because mm-hmm. the mellow flowers as well, it, it has a benefit and it has really deep roots. Yeah. That's why I like that. And you. it's bringing up those deep minerals that we probably do need in our soil, but. Yeah, but it's, 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 <laughs> it's impressive. I'll give it props because mm-hmm. if it has, like, you put it under a rock and it'll, like, send this little shoot out, mm-hmm. like, four feet until it finds sun and then it starts to grow. It's an impressive plant, but it's annoying. Mm-hmm. And also for that reason, I'm like, I don't think you're struggling. <laughs> <laughs> you're not like the ladybugs or so, or the bees, man. I think you're doing all right. Yeah. You just need a little tiny bit of dirt and you grow. No, I, that's also another thing that, that I love to do. And, I mean... It, 
You have to do it kind of cautiously, but just to eat leaves. Mm-hmm. Just to eat yeah. leaves. Like, what? What is- guys. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Again, you you never know what you might be eating. But because um, oh, I, I have hummingbird sage. Oh, and, and that and that stuff also grows like weeds. And that's a native plant, so which is super cool. Because, again, you just put it there. It just grows and it and it has this really great green color most of the time and never really dies out. And then when it flowers, it has these really beautiful flowers that obviously hummingbirds love because mm-hmm. of the name. But also it tastes like pineapple. It tastes oh, exactly the like leaves. Yeah. Oh, I did not know that. Dude, it ta- yes. That's one of my favorite things to make tea. I you know, I love going out there, picking some rosemary or whatever, mm-hmm. putting it in, in a tea. Those are the so good for that. Or you just chopping it up in like a salad. And it tastes like pineapples. And I don't know. I can't prove anything here. But there's also been several times where I have an upset stomach. And I'll just eat one. Of, and they're big leaves. And I'll eat one of them. And it settles my stomach. There you go. <laughs> I believe it. I, I don't. Yeah. I believe it. I'm sold. <laughs> yeah. Like it, Plants are medicine. It, they really are. <laughs> yeah. It's so funny. Because, yeah, we're so used to, like, chemicals in pill form. But it's like, you know, they got the chemicals probably from a plant. Yeah. <laughs> They probably derived that specific thing for that. Yeah, that's also, yeah, that's also what I love about the garden. And what is so important about, again, teaching the younger generation that it's just like, dude, all this stuff that is good for you is there. It's a very, you know, we shouldn't let corporations take monopolies on it, you know? Well, how did you learn how to garden as a kid? I've always kind of dabbled mm-hmm. around my mom would take care of rose bushes when mm-hmm. when she lived in mexicali that was her job was taking care of the roses so when we moved to the north side and we had a little bit of a yard my mom planted some roses and it wasn't the greatest or anything but i i, I believe that that would be it you know because mm-hmm. i remember enjoying seeing that you know you they grow yeah. it's so cool to, to see the growth but really really hardcore it wasn't until Again, I moved moved in there, and it was the my stepdad's mom's old vegetable patch, mm. and yeah, but it's just trial and error kind of thing. I'm again, I'm so, so you lucky. Were a kid though. Oh no, no, no. You were already an adult. Yeah, then? yeah. I've always kind of liked plants and growing, and I've tried it. You know, if friends got yards or something, I would put some corn or something, and it mm. never really worked. You know, because I was never there to take care of them as much as I needed to, but. Yeah, again, because of COVID and this, that that's when it really, really got serious and started, you know, getting seeds online and mm-hmm. looking up native plants and all this stuff. And yeah, because. Well, I thought you were doing um, like you were growing peppers and tomatoes to make your hot sauce or something. Yeah, like I, I, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. That that's yeah. a, and I still have those. <laughs> I still have my Fresno chili growing there. It's, it's survived, but, mm-hmm. um, yeah, but that was also yeah, basically just for the season. You know, mm-hmm. it was just just a one off eight month kind of thing. Um, so yeah, yeah, I I did have some knowledge, you know, but it was again, it wasn't so much as it really paying attention to what's in the soil or the bugs at that point i would spray the hell out of chemicals you know because i wanted a big nice chile or something so i've always i don't know or maybe just being from salinas just seeing the plants always growing around here that's what i think too because i honestly i never had that my mom never really grew anything my dad same my dad's mom she had like a couple tomatoes but I don't know. I wouldn't say like I was inspired by anybody or like anybody really taught me how to do it. 
And I think also, too, I've been turned off by growing food before, just just like going into a garden. One time I went into a garden and the lady, the gardener was there and I offered to help her. I was like, I would like to help you. Like, can I do something or anything? She just said no, <laughs> like to my face. Like, <laughs> no, I don't need your help. And she seemed pretty stressed. And I was like, okay. And then another time too before just being in the garden trying to help clear some weeds and accidentally pulling up like seeds that they were trying to collect and being like yelled at again. And so it's like, you know, I think there are, I don't know. I wish I was introduced to gardening earlier, but also maybe it's not like a common activity, you know, for, or maybe it's more common nowadays, but like in people I was around, it it didn't seem to be something that they were trying to teach me or even cared about or like it just wasn't on their radar. Well, around here, people are like, dude, I fucking cut lettuce all day at work and you want me to grow it at home? Nah, homie. Seen enough <laughs> lettuce. Like, I've seen way too much lettuce and cabbage in my life. Mm. Um, but then again, we do have a lot of great knowledge, man. There's some freaking people in Salinas that. Yeah, and I, I get to meet them in the garden. And so I think that is really one of the reasons why we started the community garden at Nativity Creek Park is. Just to build a community. Because I know when I was just starting out, there was really not a lot of resources. And if there was, you had to go to Watsonville or Santa Cruz. And and I didn't have a car when I first started. So I was like, okay, I'm SOL. Like, let's just try and build community here. And just by, you know, changing the landscape and people feel welcome enough to come in and share their knowledge with me. And I get to learn about how to grow corn in Mexico or, you know, like how to properly water trees or prune them and it's like oh light bulb i get it now like and it's very interesting because you kind of have to trust the wisdom of our community because it's we do like you said we have a lot of knowledge in the community and so even when i show up to the garden it's like oh my gosh somebody somebody cut down all our figs and then i was like well whoever cut it was knew what they were doing because they cut it at a certain angle And it actually looks really nice. And so maybe they were just cutting it so we can have a better crop next year. And so it's very interesting to to manage a community garden um, with the community. And how's that? that, Are you there how many times a week? Are you personally there? So I'm scheduled there once a week. But I do stop in um, like when it's hot, like today, when it's pretty warm in the day. um, I'll probably end up going to water after this <laughs> just to get some some water on the ground so like twice a week one once a week it's scheduled on saturdays from 8 a.m until 10 so i do just like a two-hour quick session so and how does it because i'm starting to realize i don't even realize how it works so let's just say i i lived in an apartment and i didn't have mm-hmm. any land and i wanted to grow something is this like where I could like was it you rent a box or do you sign up to get a box or no? So it's very much cooperative and it's kind of hard to explain because the way I've managed it, it's not I've never leased it out. So even though at the beginning we wrote in our our um, plan that we would eventually lease out some of the raised garden beds. Um, There were some challenges early on, like we didn't have a fence. So (laughs) we just waited a whole year until we got the fence. And then people would just plant on their own. And so I never wanted to kill that vibe. I never really wanted 
to just be like, oh, no, you can't do that. Let's start leasing them instead. And so because of that, I've kept it open and kind of just made made it more of a cooperative kind of a garden. And so far it's worked. So, okay, so going back to my apartment person, so they would show up and you would be like, oh, cool, we have a little... A little corner there if you want to take that corner. <laughs> yeah, basically. So uh, okay. how I explain it is there's three type of volunteers. And this is something that the gardens really taught me. There's one, a volunteer that can come and know what the garden needs. So without me telling them, they know that tree needs water. That plant needs to be pulled up. You know, that's the first type of gardener. And they come, they water, they offer expertise and guidance, and they you know, do the weeding or they'll leave me a pile of weeds to, to clear out. That's the first type of gardener. The second type of gardener is somebody who does need some direction. So they're going to come on the work days that I have. Or we can set up a special work day where you bring a group of people and we all work together. <clears throat> but that's with a guidance, you know, that's with me in the garden with them. And that's easy to do. And then the third type of gardener um, is somebody who wants, or the third type of volunteer, somebody who wants to wants to see a project through. And that they come in, maybe they build a little library like we had built by Gorilla Gardeners E31 when they came in during COVID and they were like, we want to put a little library out here. And they did it yeah. you know, start to finish. They finished it and they, they were done. It was a great contribution to the garden. And then so those are our three type of volunteers. And so if somebody's interested in coming to the garden and supporting and having their own corner, they would have to have this understanding that it's all open still like yes you can have a corner yes you can have a bed but also you're gonna have to share yeah <laughs> and be okay with without the guarantee of fruit like you know we put strawberries in and yes sometimes i'll get to eat a strawberry every once in a while but i also know others are eating strawberries too yeah especially you're doing an activity at creek park there's gonna be a lot of squirrels and and, the, mm -hmm. and like I, yeah Strawberries are, yeah, animals love strawberries. So, <laughs> like, you know, like a human animal. Yeah, okay, that, that makes sense. Yeah, somebody can be like, hey, man, I need that for my smoothie shop, and now there's no more. It's like, yeah, sorry. Yeah, so it's not like full production. We don't, you know, what we plan is what we intend to share. Mm. Okay, that, and that's still the only one? I mean, because it is a tremendous amount of work. Well, Roscate Verde has been around before us. So that's the one on East Market, the community garden there. And they do Saturday mornings, from what I understand. I haven't stopped by in a while. So they're still going. And that's a, a great little, you know, you go behind the 99 cent Morelos. Yeah. Have you been there? I've only seen pictures mm -hmm. of it. Yeah. yeah. So if you. You can if, see it on Google, on Google Maps now. <laughs> it's so cool. So cool, right? <laughs> yeah. So there's that one. And that's like a local gem. And then. And they're the ones that actually mentored us. So I'm very thankful for them. And then at Sun Street Transfer Station, there's a community or there's a garden there that's really, it's run by the employees. And Estella Gutierrez started that one. So that one's there. And hopefully we can save it because they are going to be developing that area. Yeah, that's, oh man, that's, yeah. I, oh man, I signed into one of the city council meetings for the, for that. And it was one of the most boring presentations I've ever seen. But you, it has to be done. It has to be done. Because, yeah, that transfer station, it is, it's weird having it, you know, pile of trash in the middle of town. But then 
it's a big city, you know. It all has to get centralized somewhere. Yeah. For- I'm always for transparency with our waste. And so I actually really like the Sun Street Transfer Station there. And from what I understand, original plans for that spot was to enclose it and to keep it less open and of a health hazard. Yeah. And if we had allowed that to happen, I think it would be less of a problem. Yeah, and that one, uh, again, from that presentation, I was like, I, I see how important that is, but also yeah. how impossible yeah. it would be, especially if you're the pro-garbage <laughs> person, you know? If whoever was opposing you, they'd be like, well, I, I want to take that. You know, and it's just like, well, it's not as simple as that. Um, And, it, again, especially because do they sell compost or? Yeah, they do. do. They sell compost. They do um mulch different types of mulches mm-hmm. yeah, yeah no. have you ever gone to the landfill the not the big one i've been to the transfer canyon no oh my gosh i'm actually doing a field day if you want to tag along <laughs> <laughs> with my students this i'm i am very pro garbage like we need transparency in our ways we need to know where it's going we need to know that our landfills are only going to last us 60 more years if we keep yeah. filling them and that's local. And once we lose that, like we start, we have to start opening more ditches. And they actually opened another one last year, I believe, just to extend the life. Really? Yes. Well, yes. What, tr- what I learned from that presentation as well is that apparently the marina one is pretty, still has a lot of space. Oh, the, oh okay. But they're selling. So like San Francisco is now like net zero waste or whatever. But the way they do it is they they sell their their trash or not yeah exactly yeah or the opposite way kind of thing like they pay marina to put it there so they're like oh see there no landfills being used up in san francisco (laughs) county and it's like yeah because it's coming to monterey (laughs) county but from my understanding as well san francisco pays pretty good so marina's like not only do we have the available space this is a good chunk of change you know and um but also like dude that that just fills up our spaces even faster um that's interesting i didn't know you were so interested in garbage well it's uh, it's important it is and i think when you start composting so estella and i we both when we started the community garden we met her first because we went to a sustainable salinas meeting which sustainable salinas is our fiscal sponsor for the community garden and so we met her there and she was like compost let's all compost (laughs) like and now it's the law it's going to be the law for everybody and so just to watch her transition in the last eight years and to learn so much from her and like learn and going to the landfills and learning about like food waste but also like plastic waste and that we need to know where our waste is going and be conscious of our consumerism the best we can and and i am very like I'm very much a consumer. <laughs> yeah, right. And as much as I try, just I think knowing though is better than not knowing. No, exactly. Yeah. It's interesting because I was thinking about it myself because never now that I do this, not only does compost cost money, so it's cheaper to do it yourself. Yeah. It, you do, you know, throw a lot of stuff that is useful. And, and I was like, where, where am I going with this? <laughs> <laughs> But it's just, yeah, it's so interesting. So, like, the garden, you know, you have the garden there. Let's say you grow some carrots. Mm-hmm. You, you know, you peel your carrots. You take the, the top. That goes into the compost. And you put your carrots in your soup. And whatever's left over, 
that's still edible, I put it in a freezer bag. And then when the freezer bag fills up with veggie scraps that are still edible, I make veggie broth. Oh, nice. And and then at that point, then I still even compost whatever the hell's left over of that at that. And it's this neat little you start thinking about it. I'm like, you know, move my compost around. And I'm like, dude, this is several hundred pounds of compost, you know, and it's it's already been broken down. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay, let's say it's, you know, 150 pounds of compost that I make a year. What if 10 of my neighbors did that? Mm-hmm. That That is, again, not only less chemicals that we have to go keep your stupid grass that I hate, <laughs> but at least throw compost yeah. on it instead mm-hmm. of miracle Grow. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, and not only does that help, you know, keep the water and, and everything cleaner. It keeps so much more trash away from, from again, from yeah. landfills that are already filling up. Yeah, so the food scraps, when they do go to landfills, they actually create methane gas still because they're still com- decomposing, but there's no air for them yeah. to properly off-gas or whatever. And so it's it's contributing to the issue. And so if we just pull out those scraps... Then it'll be less waste for, you know, that goes into landfill. And talking about trash diversion or waste diversion is very interesting. And I think Slains Valley Recycles is very being very innovative about their techniques. And they're working with ag businesses and they're doing a lot of great things trying to divert food from the landfill. And make, if it's edible, taking it to the folks that can eat it. And then if it's not edible, they're actually depacking. And so I think this is like very good for us because we live in the salad bowl of the world and we like to pack our salad in bags yeah. <laughs> like, i just saw an as a medium article so i mean anybody can submit but they were just like plastic or packaged salads are ruining our oh my gosh i think i read the same one was it like it, a short one like a two yeah, minute yeah it was it was pretty short yeah and what, what bothered me is they had a factory and like the picture was of a factory in poland and this is like, it was all black and white. And it was like, this is where your bag salad comes from. And it's Very like, misinformed, yeah. Yeah. And it was like, well, the Fresh <laughs> Express facility isn't the most aesthetically pleasing, but you don't come, it doesn't go to Poland. We don't ship our lettuce to Poland and then it comes back. Like, we do some silly stuff, but. Not that. that yeah, we, we don't do, I don't know who that person was, but I was like, it's so funny. You just, I have no connections to the ag industry. I have n- no skin in the bag salad game, <laughs> but, but I found myself getting offended. Yeah, a bit, like, like triggered, right? Yeah. Like, I almost wanted to message him. Oh, and then they said that, you know, because the, they, they said the Central Valley and Yuma is where 90% of the country's lettuce is grown. Mm. And I'm going to be like, dude, we are the Salinas Valley. We don't, we're not the Central Valley. We don't use water from the Central Valley Project. We have an aquifer. Mm-hmm. It's overdrawn tremendously because of ag, yes. But that's a whole different thing. We we don't use pumped water that, you know, that has to come from from Mount Shasta or whatever. We, we have our own water supply. We definitely have our own water issues as well. But to just throw us in that like, oh, we're the Central Valley, you know, where everyone, all the almonds and all that. Like, that's a whole different yeah. political issue than the Salinas Valley. And it's a different landscape. And I I don't know if I mentioned that I work for a nonprofit called the Center for Land-Based Learning. Yeah, no. I think, I don't think we've talked. I mean, you've time. you've probably mentioned to me off the air mm-hmm. and playing a little ignorance, you know, just, <laughs> just for the, for the audience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, no problem. So the garden actually got me this job. To be quite honest, because through my volunteer work at the garden, it, you know, and networking, I I was in a uh, California Women for Ag conference, which I went to 
they do like these huge annual conferences. And I went to one and I just happened to sit across from a lady during lunch. It was like talking about, we were just, you know, normal networking questions, whatever. Um, what do you do? What do you like to do? What do you, pl- you know, why are you here? And we're here I told to party. Her, <laughs> <laughs> Get some more cider over yeah. here. <laughs> it is. Um, no, no. And then I was like, you know, I, I'm, I manage a community garden in Salinas. I'm interested in outdoor education. And she was like, oh, do you know about the garden in Nativity Creek Park? And I was like, uh, local urban gardener? She was like, yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, my gosh. This lady from Sacramento knows my garden. Yeah. And, like, I just freaked out. I remember my heart started pounding. <laughs> immediately after I talked to her, like, I had to leave the table to go calm down because I was just, like, so hyped. Like, how crazy is that? And then uh, she later gave me this job with the Center for Land-Based Learning to be a program coordinator. And basically what I do is I run a farms program, and farm stands for Farming Agriculture Resource Management for Sustainability. And I introduce high school students to ag and environmental sciences, and it's really thrown me into a different world, the, <laughs> a different world of agriculture. And I think it's very awesome that I have this opportunity to learn about ag with students. So basically what I do is I plan a field day or field trip twice a month and I take all these students from different schools. Right now we have Soledad, or excuse me, not Soledad. <laughs> we used to have Soledad. Um, we have Greenfield High School, Gonzalez High School, Alisal High School, and uh, SoCal from Aptos. Oh, so, damn. Way up. Yeah, so we cover Santa Cruz and Monterey County. And then you take them to like the fields or... Mm-hmm. Packing, I was gonna call them packing sheds. I don't think I've called packing sheds in like eighty years. The coolers, the right? Coolers. <laughs> yes. So we take them to different industry partners, and so we go to big ag and small ag. So we're doing, you know, field days with smaller farmers, like Pizzoni Vineyards, which has a family farm and a vineyard in Gonzales, California. We go to um, Salinas Valley Recycles. We learn about food waste and what our waste is doing in our area. We go to Cabrillo College and learn about their ag pathways and different ag tech opportunities. And are these kids in the in the ag course or is this just like your science class? You just go on a field trip. So it depends on the school. So Gonzalez has FFA students that we pull. Oh, okay. Um, SoCal High School has a sustainable ag pathway that we pull from. Jesus. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we have Alisal High School. They just have like an ag club. And so that's where we pull our students from. So there's students kind of already have a background, maybe like their family does farming or agriculture. Yeah. Or they kind of know a little bit about it. And then we just really introduce them to, to key players in the game and try and build their network. And if they're really serious, they can, you know, these are folks who want them to get jobs for them. <laughs> like yeah. they want them to go to college, come back and then be hired type of a thing oh okay that's that's freaking cool so wow so you're out in the field a lot Mm -hmm. yes it's so nice i think being able to work indoor and outdoor some of the time something that i've learned is right for me (laughs) and my my lifestyle and interests and it's good to have a job that that caters to that so yeah that's cool that that it not only that you got the job because you hustled at getting that garden but that now you have a job that kind of ties in and yeah, that it all yeah it all fits together. That's, Builds the brand. Yeah, yeah, that, that's fucking awesome. And the kids yeah. are learning about composting, man. That's so cool. Yeah, wow, man. One of my 
the whole com- I, I even my mom does I, it's so funny it's so interesting because again it's the older generation and and when i see my mom in the garden she's the one that's still scared at bees and like swatting them and chasing them away and i'm like hey man this is my <laughs> friends with those. my strawberries like <laughs> but again she still associates them oh pain dangerous little animals and it's like no spend more time out here you see they're your friends but again the composting thing as well you know i i once she saw that the mounds are there and of course at first people think it's just like stinky rotting food and it's like if it's rotting you're something's going wrong yeah. you know and it's amazing it, it smells good i'm not gonna it compare fresh clean dirt like it's it's got this kind of sweetness to it <laughs> and i'm not saying take a spoonful out of it and eat it but it doesn't smell at all and um yeah then when she got realized like oh i could you know if i do peel potatoes or something i could just go throw them on top there i told her you throw them on top i'll do the mixing and adding the water Mm -hmm. just throw food stuff on there (laughs) and yeah and she got into that habit and now whenever she's done well actually now the new one of the newest i love gadgets especially kitchen gadgets Mm -hmm. I'm, i'm a big gadget person and my newest thing i got it's it's a little plastic box that has holes in it. I thought it was airtight. It has holes in it, but then it holds these plastic bags, and they're not real plastic. They're some kind of biodegradable, like corn plastic. Mm-hmm. And you you put your kitchen scraps in there. It's okay. amazing. It's a breathable bag, and the plastic container itself is also breathable. Mm-hmm. Which I was like, mm, you know, <laughs> like you throw a banana peel in there. It's like, dude, is this place going to whole stink up? Or you'll get fruit flies. That's always my biggest concern. Yeah. And again, this thing <laughs> is designed to keep the fruit flies out. And you, dude, you could fill this thing and it doesn't stink because it's, it breathes. So the bacteria that smells aren't allowed to grow. Mm-hmm. Basically it was, it worked so well. We just kept filling it. I mean, it's not huge, but you don't, you know, three people don't make that much food waste. So before we filled it up, the bag started deg- biodegrading. <laughs> so we had to take it out. But it's like, holy crap. And you we didn't smell it the whole time. It, yeah. it, it, this was an, It's an amazing little thing. I'm going to get a couple more for people for Christmas. Smart. Yeah, dude, if you, if you have a small space, this thing's awesome. And yeah, and even if you don't freaking compost it you probably have a yard waste bin and that will definitely be composted so at least you can you can do that you know and yeah and that's actually the future so right now um they're trying to educate folks cal recycles or cal waste i I forget what the state level is called but them salines valley recycles they're actually doing these huge education campaigns to educate people how to take those scraps and put them in your yard waste, exactly how you said, and keep them from going into the trash because they're going to start requiring that <laughs> well, of that, everybody, even in the houses. Yeah, and that's where, uh, going back to we being in the Salinas Valley, I, I'm, not, I'm not saying that we're bad at it, but I would love for us to be seen as leaders yes. as that. It's like not only do we produce 80% of the nation's lettuce, we also compost 40% of it. You know, or, or yeah. I mean, I, don't know, that's a I would number, agree. But, but again, but yeah, something like that, mm-hmm. that we should be proud as People from Salinas, you know, like, look at our yard waste thing, you know, like, that's what we do, you know, because we live off of this. Mm -hmm. You know, if the crops fail, the county won't fail. There's plenty of people that want to buy this land up and fill it with houses or something like rich people will stay rich. But 
but our culture, our livelihood, us as this ag center will also go away, you know. And so it's important that we keep that soil healthy and understand what that is. And yeah, and, and that's where I would. And again, I'm not saying that we're doing a terrible job at it, but I would love for this area to just be known as that. You know, we're, we're already known as the ag people. Yeah. But can't we be known as the composting people as well? Mm-hmm. Like, because that goes hand in hand. And that's where, like, researchers should come from around the world yeah. to see, to study in Salinas and see how we do composting and how they can do it better in Portugal or something. I don't know. Yeah. Or even gardening. I think there is an untapped resource there in just giving people places to garden, first of all, and then, like, letting them come up with their own ideas around gardening because it's very creative. Like, I know you explained how you divided up your own garden with these lovely trails. Like, that is very intentional, right? Yeah. And so being able to express yourselves with designing a space or with just, like, altering a space, whether you're pulling weeds in one corner and leaving weeds in another know that type of a thing i think we could be known for gardening as well as a creative outlet or as a a healthy a healthy thing that we do culturally and we we should man because in salinas basically you throw seeds on the ground kind of like it it's not the most perfect weather but for the most part the soil is good enough and the weather is good enough that you can grow basically anything Mm -hmm. and or most things yeah, this year my eggplants are doing great right now in the fall. Like yeah. they had a rebirth after we had our um, heat waves, and so that is also what's interesting is that you learn more about that because I myself am now seeing my tomatoes that should be dead from frost already. Mm-hmm. You're just like, what's up? So <laughs> then you could be like, okay, this climate thing, it's something's off it's here. It's changing. Yeah, it wasn't like that years ago, honestly, dude. And then one thing that. I would love to see more of that I did for the my first time ever in my garden this time was a milpa. Oh. That why don't we have more, why don't we grow more things like that that makes so much sense. I'm I was cuz I did just this little patch. It was just this little patch on the edge of the the Aztec flower garden. Mm-hmm. And and yeah, and I had just I'm like I want to try this out. I want to try this out. I, it makes sense, you know, now that I've grown the three sisters all separately. So I now I can see how they can they will work together. So I tried it and it was amazing. It, it was absolutely amazing because and again for those unfamiliar is a meat pie as you grow squash, corn, and beans all together. The and theory, the three sisters. Yeah. yeah, the theory then being that the beans are nitrogen fixers, so they fix nitrogen from the air into the soil the corn is a grass so it loves nitrogen Nitrogen, yeah huge heavy feeder yeah so and and then the squash has these big beautiful leaves that cover the soil and protect it from from evaporating or the water from evaporating out Mm -hmm. and it works it It, it, it freaking works i um next year i'm gonna i'm gonna set them up differently because i i put the corn inside and put the beans on the outside, mm-hmm. hoping that they would kind of fall into it, but they kind of fell out. So I'm oh. like, okay, I need to put corn on the outside like a little fence. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, then the inside of it needs to be way more intensely planted. And I'm like, and I could do way more more density as well. Nice. But, dude, it's 
it's awesome because yeah, I you could notice I had to water that a lot less than the other vegetable garden that was under you know just beating under the sun. They didn't have any big leaves to protect it. Had the compost only, you know, yeah. but but yeah, this other one I I could forget about it and it would just grow. Produce yeah, the kids. the beans would just do their thing. And they naturally, again, I didn't tell them to do anything. They naturally just found a corn stalk that they liked and mm-hmm. they started wrapping around it. And the corn didn't mind the corn. <laughs> the corn didn't feel the beans at all. Yeah. And yeah. And then the, the butternut squash, that, that's I, that's what I had down below. That was, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't. Didn't know enough to incorporate it in there, but yeah, but again, it still did its thing. I didn't get as much squash as I expected, mm. but but anyway, I it's cool because next year I'm like, holy crap, I learned so much. Like it was still a success. Yeah, it was mm. still even if I wouldn't have gotten an ear of corn, you know, just learning that experience would have been enough. But well, it, I've never gotten an ear of corn. I, really? Corn is like the hardest thing for me to grow. Never, ever, ever, ever. <laughs> I wait for the day when I can say that I've grown corn but that is something like you said like i've grown things separately and i think i've tried growing corn separately and i've grown the beans and the squash and maybe i just need to bring them all together right i I, dude yeah i've had trouble with corn as well but i just again i just plant them right next to each other now because they i don't know the little hairs have to touch or something okay because there was a gardener that came through when i was planting corn and he was telling me they were too close. So, really? yeah. So maybe I just planted them too close. And, or maybe, you know, his background in farming and agriculture required spacing so that they could walk through the fields and stuff like that. So. Right. Or the machines could harvest mm-hmm. them. And yeah, because that, that was honestly my, what I did this year is mm-hmm. like, okay, I'm going to plant them a lot closer together. And it, it, I don't know if they had anything. When they pollinate, I think, huh? They have to be close. That's yeah, right. yeah. That was yeah. That was my issue before. I like to make nice, aesthetically pleasing looking like <laughs> fences, Space but then yeah, but they're so far apart from each other mm-hmm. that they can't they can't do it. But yeah, you could see that little powder, you know, when they're really going, and I'm like, all right, it's working. Good. Well, then there's hope for me, I guess. <laughs> but but I, that's what. But again, from doing that, I'd be like, how cool? What would a 100 acre milpa look like? Mm-hmm. And also, how much would it produce? Like, it wouldn't how be much easy because cost. Yeah. Um, right. Yeah. Well, what are your inputs? Yeah. It, Wait, sorry, <laughs> yeah, because like, while well, just thinking of the water, you know, you would use less water mm-hmm. immediately. But also at the same time. You can't go in there with a machine. You de- you have to send people in there because it, it's like a jungle. You know, it, it's very dense. And so you can't make a machine that's going to be like, oh, this is corn. Let me take that. Or these are beans. <laughs> and they're done at different times, you know. So, yeah, so, yeah I could. See, but also it's like, but it's better for the environment. You know, we're going to be able to grow this for longer, for more generations if we do it like this. Like, yeah, you're going to make a little bit less money. But, or maybe not. Or like, maybe, yeah. yeah. Milpa grown <laughs> corn. Like, All right, it's $5 an ear. But anyway, so what's what's the future for the garden? You're just going to keep maintaining it like this for a while? or So we this year was our fifth, our five-year yeah. anniversary. Oh, wow. Congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> Thank yeah. you. I can't believe it's gone so fast. But we've, we've kind of locked in the garden. I feel like, you know, we built out the beds. We built the fencing. We've established some fruit trees. We've established um, community and contacts and 
schedule of events even or, you know, some type of uh, events in the garden. And we want the next step to be programming. And I think we have provided programming in the way of doing small like composting workshops or small gardening workshops when we can. But we really want to be more consistent and intentional with our programming. And so this last year, actually during COVID, we connected with Blue Zones in Monterey County. Oh, okay. And we connected with Me Earth out in Carmel. And also Shinampa Bio. I don't know if you're familiar with those folks. I think I've seen Instagram posts or something. Yeah, so they do um, bioengineering, biotech, and teaching biomaking. And so. Is that Orlando? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, 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 not Orlando. It's Omar. Omar Omar Perez and Rolando. Rolando. Okay, okay. That's his name. So Mm -hmm. he's like, come on. Yeah, I I met him at Stanford years ago, and I was just like, what the hell? Mm -hmm. (laughs) This guy's one of the smartest people I've ever met. That guy knows about like genetics and stuff about strawberries. Yeah, <laughs> they are very smart, and yeah. uh, so it was a really great partnership to have. And through COVID, we just basically met online, Zoom, and we said, "Here, we're gonna create structure. We're gonna go after some funding. We're gonna collectively push out garden advertisements, like social media stuff, and create more visibility for us because that was the biggest challenge for me because." Up until recently, I've only been a volunteer. Like, yeah. this has only been, like, three hours out of my week or, you know, maybe five hours out of my week. And I've been able to do all of this. And so getting connected to them, we really were able to put together a plan around what what our next steps are. And so programming is a huge thing we want to do. And so with our partnership with Shinampa, which does youth programming, and so do I, you know, we are hoping to... We're hoping to do a farm to lab table programming. And then we also have a program for uh, garden prescriptions. And so this is with collaboration with the Blue Zones of Monterey County. Um, we're hoping to get doctors to refer people out to the garden. And then, oh, like them. a little, I was going to say, what's a garden? I thought it was like, you know, a little bit of compost, a little <laughs> bit of this. And here's your prescription for your soil. But it's literally like doctors prescribing you time in the garden. And that that's way, the, go ahead. No, I'm just saying that's it. I was just talking about the, the, you know, that me naturally, I just figured I could just lay on the floor for 10 <laughs> minutes and get some kind of therapy out of it. So it makes total sense that like, I'm a firm believer in that. Yeah, that's, that's therapy. Yes, exactly. And so with that, we want to get young people into the garden and provide them with space. So instead of renting it out, we want to create a cohort of 10 or less um, folks that would come out and care for a plot of land. Of course, we would provide them with guidance and we would provide them with tools where we were able to secure funding to get a tool shed out there so that (laughs) way we can keep our tools out there. Um, And so like together as as a nice little cooperative, we've been able to really think about what the garden needs now. We've created a funding stream to where we can put a shed out. Um, and then we've created three programs. So I mentioned the Garden Rx, which is Garden Prescription Program. Um, we have the Farm to Lab Table with Shinampa. And then we are also doing a summer internship, which we piloted this summer. And that's through um, my work with the Center for Land-Based Learning, because we want kids to get experience in agriculture or environmental sciences. And 
we strongly believe that by giving them a paid internship, that's really going to support them professionally. Yeah. And so it's been a struggle to get companies to give us internships because we have high school students either, you know, still in high school or just barely graduating. And it's just a little tricky to get folks to take high school students. They usually want, you know, adults already, like 18 or older for their internships with some experience. And these are kids that maybe don't have experience or access to jobs. And so it was just a lovely opportunity to invite two LSL students to the garden to work. We paid them $18.75 an hour. It was a super micro internship. Yeah. It was four hours a week for four weeks. And it was just really awesome to be able to create a job. <laughs> like it's, yeah. I think that is, is you know, a check off my bucket. Yeah. Like, <laughs> did it. And being able to, to also mentor them. And so they would show up on the weekends. Some, you know, one of them would bring their family or their mom That's or cool. their brother. And it would be like a really great learning experience. And I honestly feel like students got a lot out of it. And so we want to continue doing that, providing those hours and paid, make sure that they're paid because kids, they could work for minimum wage at, at a target and, you know, have a consistent, yeah. <laughs> like they, instead of doing volunteer work. And I think it's important that, that we pay our youth and that we value their time with money like <laughs> yeah well and especially out in the garden and stuff where it's not again working at the mall is cooler <laughs> than working in a garden you know but if you're like hey it pays me well and then when you're out there you're like oh i feel better yeah so yeah again that is super important to get mm-hmm. people out there to pl- plant that seed literally yeah. of like hey you know it's only two of you now but hopefully in the future we'll have dozens of you out here or more gardens or something mm-hmm. and yeah, and you can run one. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. You know, let's get you running that um, while you're going to high or to college. Like that could be an easy part time thing. And also on top of that, with this being such an ag heavy industry, is people that are running those companies are also going to have a, du- a direct connection. You know, of like, oh yeah, I know what it's like to have a garden. Or, I don't know, just or to grow food. Yeah, yeah, it just seems like yeah, it'd be better. I don't know, might help them be better at, at their job to, to have that. Mm-hmm. Or just as um, citizens, I think, you know, learning how things operate, how we grow food, how food is very different from a garden than from a supermarket. Like that's something I didn't learn till I was in my twenties, you know, like the tomato, when you touch it, your hands will smell like tomato. Like <laughs> the vine of it glistens in the sun. Like, you know, those little details that you'll never see at the store or yeah. like there's, There's a fuzz over your zucchini before they wash it. Like, you know, those little things are, I don't know, they teach life lessons. They teach you to, you know, observe and like, you know, pay attention and and then mixed with garden labor, you know, being able to come out and work in the garden. We had this young man, he would come out and we were painting the raised garden beds, but always like straight to painting and taking the initiative, knowing like what needs to happen next, like, and just working his time and working so hard. And I would be so proud, like, oh my gosh, you should have a real job. (laughs) Like you are such a hard worker. Where did you learn this? Like we have such talent here that, I mean, I honestly feel very thankful to even know some of these kids. Like 
Jesus, yeah. do well. <laughs> like, yeah, no, that's cool. And I'm sure as the years go by, you know, mm-hmm. people will come back and be like, dude, this, this garden mm-hmm. set I up this so. whole thing. I hope so. Are you a master gardener? I'm not. I actually right. considered it, but I, I hear it's a pretty rigorous yeah, It looks like 350 pages or something. Yeah, and you can't miss a training. Like, they, they say you can you can have well the website i think it says one one <laughs> unexcused absence They're like jesus that's like, that's our 36 week course i think it is or something like that it's a, it's a long one yeah it's a, it's a pretty yeah because well they do it every two years and i mm. i looked it up and the, the cutoff was in october to yeah, sign for up. this year's yeah, yeah i really like, considered it really hard but then after you do it you have to volunteer time oh really you get mm-hmm. stuck in it. Yeah. Yeah. When so I then in order to keep your certification, you have to do oh, like so many amount of okay. community service hours. Mm-hmm. Holy crap! I didn't. Yeah, because mm-hmm. when I first was, you know, started really hardcore in that my garden over there, a couple people would. I'm a master gardener. I'm a master gardener. Or I would see that term. I'm like, all right, dude, a little egotistical there. And then I realized that's a thing. Yeah, a Being thing. a master gardener is <laughs> yeah is an actual title that you go to school for essentially. <laughs> I was like, holy, yeah, because we were like, I'm a master gardener. <laughs> Fuck you. I'm a master gardener, too. Look at my roses, dude. Master. Gosh, that's um, good. But, yeah, then I saw that. I'm like, holy crap. It's done, you know, by the the county. Yeah. puts It's like a government thing. Yeah. And, yeah, and you, yeah, that's pretty cool, though, because I'm sure you could go to, have you ever been to Sierra Azul in no. Watsonville? They have a really, it's a nursery, but they also have a really cool demonstration garden. Oh. And it's like one acre and it's got like they they get a lot of art from local artists there. And damn it, some of it is just like I want this, but it's thirty five hundred dollars, you know? Like this is amazing. Like who this person this is great art. But yeah, I'm sure there are that's place to volunteer. But what? You've never I've never I, yeah. So Watsonville has some really amazing gardens. And I wish Salinas was more like that. <laughs> it's so yeah. I've going back to us being the ag. So you would think that we would have great nurse, and we do. We have, bo- I mean, we have bouquet. Really, I think that's literally the only thing other than chain stuff. And bouquet's mm-hmm. great, but man, there's other like if you. Where's the one really in Carmel? Accessible. So yeah, like, for me, especially when I was just starting out, I didn't even have a car. Like. There was no way I was going to Bouquet unless I took a bus yeah. like, or borrowed a car. And, yeah, I did that. But to tell somebody, like, you need to go over there. And there is some interesting thing how, like, they sell plants at CVS on the south side, but they don't do it on the other side of town. Or really? Like, Dude, and they're all my lavender yeah. in my front yard from that CVS. Whoever's yeah. their plant buyer <laughs> buys good stuff. They do. I go and get my houseplants in there. There's, like, this aisle inside that they don't put a like all the house plants outside and that's where I go. Like they do and I'm so jealous. But um there is an accessibility issue I think in our city just to good quality seedlings. So that's something like this year I started my own seedlings and started Dude, to try doing that. I so was going to say that as well for the garden like mm-hmm. do you have a nursery or like the more permanent plants what do they they just get donated or like Yeah, so we a lot for me. I feel like the garden is my place to volunteer too. 
and to give back. And so, you know, like some people give a tithe at church or whatever. Like my tithe goes straight into the garden. And so that will, you know, be gloves for new gardeners or gloves for our service learners, which we have from CSUMB or, you know, trees like an olive tree or some flowers. And really, it's only 10% of what, you know, my income. And so it's an easy lift. But yeah, sometimes we do get donations, which is really nice. Yeah, because that's, again, especially as my garden develops, would be like, you know, because sometimes stuff happens, you know, and Mm -hmm. a plant dies or you lose it for whatever reason. And you're like, ah, I really liked it. I (laughs) I wanted to place it back there. And it'd be nice to have a little nursery or like again the the hummingbird sage that thing it's I think it's part of the mint family so that freaking just grows like crazy oh, and these little pups come out of anywhere yeah. yeah yeah it really mm-hmm. I mean most yeah that's what people would like would consider it but like mm-hmm. it, it grows naturally around here it's doing its thing at home but yeah I you know so I, I end up like picking <laughs> those little pups up and and moving them around and they start growing and I'm like dude I could I could get ten more of these I have an aloe patch and I just have so much aloe. And I'm like, I just kind of want to do it and put it up front and be like, native plant. Yeah, it's a native plant. So it's probably going to grow wherever you are. Just put it down. If you forget to water it, it's a native plant. So it's cool. It'll figure it out. And that's also how we get plants. So people just plant seeds that they have collected from their own yards or they bring those pups or those little um, seedlings that they've cultivated out to the garden. That's so cool. It is so cool because then we get like these really great varieties. We have like purple fava beans out there. We have cardoons that grow wild now, (laughs) (laughs) That's Um, which would be a great thing to pick right now for Thanksgiving because the cardoon, you don't eat the flower like you would an artichoke. Are you familiar with cardoons? So I just got my, I get my seeds from a company called Baker Creek. Mm -hmm. And they, yeah, yeah, I love them. They just, well, this year was their 25th anniversary of their seed catalog. Mm -hmm. So it's 532 pages and I got it and I just got it on Friday. So I've been flipping through it and I, I just came across Cardoon. It and it's by the artichokes, but it looks it's long. Meaner. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. Anyway. And you eat the stem, so you don't eat the flower. So instead you wanna harvest it before it flowers. Okay, because this mm-hmm. picture was a picture of that of the stem, I'm I'm mm-hmm. assuming, because yeah, it just looked like a like the stem of an artichoke, mm-hmm. but it was called a cardoon, and I'm like, yeah. what? So it? the flower itself, is it looks very much like a thistle. Which, oh, which I mean, it is, yeah. Family, yeah. But it's definitely not an edible flower, I don't believe. I have artichoke growing, and I don't think I've ever, ever eaten one artichoke from it. Yeah. Because, again, the bees freaking we go all went to crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's beautiful. This big purple flower and the bees go absolutely mm-hmm. nuts for it. And, and it's so cute because the flower has all these like little hairs, the purple hairs, and then the bees just like travel through with their little pockets of pollen. Yeah, they get all <laughs> dusty. That's what's so freaking funny. They're all dusty and dirty and it's just like... Just working, working yeah. hard. And they don't care. The, that's where, again, you, you can... The, the bumblebees are kind of curious. Like I said, they're curious. They're funny. They just run into you. Mm-hmm. They just see you moving, and I don't know. They just want to see what's going on. The honeybees, they're on a mission. They don't give a like, – I'm sure if you find their hive or something, they could get defensive. But for the most part, bees just go about their day. You can just stare at them, and it's so freaking cool. Mm-hmm. Look at my, the background of my phone to see how show how nerdy I am. <laughs> So this is my garden. Oh, and there's a butterfly. <laughs> yeah, there's a so butterfly cool. and one of like a little green grasshopper. And, oh my gosh, you're right. Oh, my freaking dog. <laughs> it's so weird. 
No, people have good. like the the 49ers on there or something <laughs> or their kids and I'm like look at my dahlias. Yeah. <laughs> but it's so neat again uh, when you talk about the life, you know, cuz when I started that garden as well, it yeah, it was pretty hard packed dirt. Not I mean you you flip a rock and probably earwigs or roly polies yeah. or something, but other than that it was Clay. nothing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's actually because we are kind of close to the Salinas River, it's this really sandy loam. Mm-hmm. The soil, it's, oh, my God, it's, when you go online and people are, this is how you want them, your drainage and all that, like, dude, we got that. Like, <laughs> we just need to put the organic stuff, you know, because it goes, it gets used up faster. But, like, holy crap, I could sit there with my hose and just, like, go over a spot and just stand there. And the water disappears. <laughs> and it's just, like, that is proper drainage, son. Yeah. Um, and... So yeah, so it's it's it was I love seeing that transformation from this really hard packed stuff to one little worm or something mm-hmm. to like holy crap now there's there's a spider community in there as well and, and all these these bugs that I've never seen yeah. that's the cool thing is especially during COVID I was out there all the time we couldn't go anywhere i was just back there so i was able to see the bugs as they came in like i know you weren't here Mm -hmm. before and now this year you know the end of the second year of having that that garden you see them more established and you see them everywhere you know in other places in the garden and it's just like it's so i don't know and then you also see the population of your earwigs going down or like the populations of other bugs changing and and yeah, I agree. It's really interesting. We actually have a lot of clay in our backyard. So really? that transition was a little tough. And then in the garden too, it's pretty clay like but it's the good thing about clay is it holds water. And so yeah. really, if you think of it, it's like a really nice pot, like a clay pot. And if you just dig down and create like a little spot for your plant to grow, add some nice soil. Yeah, for the roots. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that again, that's where I got so lucky in that. Nope, I could I could dig a I actually have a, a I forget the, the type of of composting it is. It's a, a hugo culture. Are you familiar with Hugo culture? Yeah, because yeah, I, I, in cleaning out the stuff, I ended up with a bunch of tree branches and stuff and I'm looking at wood chippers and they're like $300 a day to rent, you know, and I'm like, well, how long is it going to take for me to fill up that yard waste bin? It's just going to fill it all up. Mm-hmm. But it was a pretty flat backyard and I was like, I want height. I want some height and I can't afford to go out and get a yard of topsoil or something. So I was like, I'm gonna I'm gonna dig a trench, fill it with a bunch of my trees, and then put the dirt from the trench on top of that, and it should make a hill. And I mm-hmm. found out that's a type of of gardening called hugel After? culture. After yeah, that's yeah, awesome. Yeah, because I was <laughs> that's well, the best way to learn, though. Like, well, oh, yeah. intuitively figured it out, <laughs> right? Like, yeah, these Germans <laughs> don't know nothing. But anyway, I mean, I was like, I'm putting um, organic material in the ground, like. Even if it, you know, well, yeah, if you do cover it up too much and it does cause that methane, I mean, it's still bad. But again, ultimately, I'm like, I know that that will work. Mm-hmm. I know that I'm not going to hurt the the soil. And but yeah, then I started doing some research and I came across that. Yeah, it's called that. And yeah, and it's pretty neat because I got to clear out some of the, the junk, the, you know, junk. 
trees that were in the backyard and also got to make my little height you know now i got poppies growing all over that oh, nice. and yeah so it, it was plus then i learned more about that technique mm -hmm. but anyway i could go on and on about the garden right like. me too i really could <laughs> i really could but yeah i'll we'll have to save that for another time because <laughs> People already either people are very excited. They're like, "All right, I want to finish this so I could go start my compost pile." <laughs> or they're like, "Come on, another history one, please." <laughs> are those your most popular? Your history ones? I, I started doing a lot more history ones, yeah, because of that. We did the two hundred years of Selena's history right before the election. Nice. So I'd be like, "Look, dude, this is what we're voting for. Like this, mm -hmm. this isn't just where our houses are. Like there's history here, and there's gonna continue to be more history in the future. Like we need to be aware." Mm -hmm. So, yeah, so I went back to the founding of Salinas. And like, look, it, was, it used to be a cool town. It used to be so much fun. <laughs> oh, man, that uh, the 10,000 years on the Salinas Plain. They have uh, Watsonville was already a little town before Salinas, so they had a newspaper going. And they're like, it's got like... 21 bars, no churches. Like That's what it said about us? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, when Salinas was founded, it was all, all bars. drunks. Yeah, it was all... It was, so it's like, yeah... It's growing really fast, but there's like 21 bars and no churches. Like they got to figure their shit yeah. out. <laughs> it's like what? Oh, wow. The people people used to be cool in this town. Mm -hmm. But um, anyway, let the, is there actually anything that you want to um, talk about that before I? Yeah, well, we are on. We got a slot in the Monterey County Gives campaign. Um, oh, okay. So we're raising money to support the programs that I spoke about: um, the Gardner X program, the youth internship program, and also the farm to lab table. So if anybody's interested in supporting, um, we're under our fiscal sponsor, which is Communities for a Sustainable Monterey County. And you can donate. And people go to like mcgives.com? Dot org. Dot org. And they, they have a list of, and, and right, because it's different people from all throughout the county. Okay, yeah. So you go there and, yeah. and it'll, it, will it say, what will it say? Not the community garden? It'll say Communities for Sustainable Monterey County. Okay, mm -hmm. Communities for Sustainable Monterey County. You could donate there and it'll trickle down. Let's see, Ronald Reagan was right. Trickle down <laughs> economics. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is a pro Ronald Reagan podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then it'll support our programs and, and you know, like this next phase of the garden. No, yeah, that that's cool. And if, if people haven't seen it, you, they should go out to Natividad Creek Park because I – Ah, that that's the that park has I can say so much potential, but it's already got so much life to it. It's got the skate park. It's it's got trails. It's got a, a big meadow that you can hang out. It's got the little I don't know what you call. It. I was gonna say pergola, but mm -hmm. I don't know what it. I think it is right. Gazebo. Know, the, yeah, gazebo. There you go. It's got the big gazebo <laughs> thing. It has the community garden, mm -hmm. and, and it's it has some of that wildness actually the episode that i just released was about the water in monterey county and so i spoke about natividad creek and how that that you know is and they fed into what was car lake so it's a neat way to to go and see what salinas could possibly look like a couple hundred years ago mm -hmm. it's really built out especially now even the other side of baranda is getting built up so let, we're getting, we're seeing that less and less, and our tree canopy is terrible. I don't want to bring this up right now, but I the, the, I think it's the USGA or somebody has this really cool map where you can go zip code by zip code, and it'll tell you the the canopy 
percentage, which is basically how many trees are there. Salinas, I think overall we're average at like thirteen percent. It's disgusting. Which is yeah miserable. It's just, it's, it's like terrible. Unhealthy. It's an unhealthy range to be at. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah well, we actually raised money for this a couple of years ago, actually. Well, and because I was clicking through those zip yes. codes, and you can literally see, and I'm not trying to start a big political fight right now about money, but every most zip codes that I was clicking around on South Salinas and North Salinas were also super low, but they all were averaging like nine or ten percent canopy coverage all the east side ones was five percent if if that it was all like three to five percent so that's half the amount of trees and it's like dude come on we can't even be equitable about planting fucking trees like ah, and, and that's where i'm like that's that has like you were saying it, it is a health thing and dude i mean trees are Ah, I don't know. On a really hot day, I have my my shade garden. There's one tree in particular that's just huge thing. It's always giving shade, and when I'm working out there in the middle of summer and it's the sun's beating me down, I just go stand under that tree, and it literally saves my life. Like, and so yeah, so so that. The, the, yeah, they, they make such a big difference. And, yeah. and, and the, you can find trees in Intimidate Creek Park. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They, that's basically <laughs> what I'm trying to get at. That's one of the few places right. that, that yeah, that you can get out of that whole city thing and really get that therapy and, and it'll help you feel better. And you can check out the garden. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, Letty, uh, thank you for doing yeah, this. Of and, course, it's always fun to be on. Um, it's I think... When we started the garden, you were already like a year and a half into the podcast thing. And the fact that we're both still doing what we love is kind of nice to see. And that we're both still in the community that we love as well. Yeah, so. thank you. And progressing as well. Right? Mm-hmm. And yeah, because if we were still getting drunk at XL doing this, I mean, it'd still be, it'd still be fun. <laughs> and we still do that. Mm-hmm. But again, but now we have all, all these shows within the network. And and yeah, we're all it's all a bunch of Mexicans with from the East Side or or from Salinas. You know, some of us have degrees, most of us don't. But <laughs> but yeah, but we're doing our thing. We're doing what we want. Right, and it's good to see us be successful. Right, I think yeah. it's, it's it's awesome. It's so fun. thank you. Yeah, and thank you for coming on. And yeah, check out. Do you? What is it? Local Urban Gardeners also on social media, right? Yeah, Selena Sluggers. Yeah, mm-hmm. Selena Sluggers, and then you're always, you're posting not always, but you post when you do stuff Regularly. in the garden. Yeah, mm-hmm. you, you post stuff on there. It's a great way to check it out. But anyway, right. we'll catch y'all. Ne- I don't know about next week. Actually, next week's Thanksgiving, so I probably won't record next week. Happy Thanksgiving! Yeah, enjoy the food and plant a garden while you're at home. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Compost all your most of your leftovers. The turkey stuff that might be kind of tricky, but any kind of plant based stuff. Compost, Compost that shit. Boop, boop. All right. See you Thanks. <laughs>